You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals, and this is the Washington Health Report. On July 1st, Massachusetts launched perhaps the most ambitious effort yet by any state to provide health care to all of its citizens. The health plan was passed with strong bipartisan support, including the support of then-Governor Mitt Romney, who helped craft the plan. For months, residents of Massachusetts have seen one report after another by critics warning that the health plan will bankrupt the state or that it can never work, that poor people won't be able to afford their premiums, and all other manner of dire consequences. So the question is, do the citizens of Massachusetts support their new plan, or are they starting to think that they made a big mistake? Dr. Robert Blendon, professor of health policy and political analysis at Harvard, has been tracking the public's response to the plan, and he's here today with us to tell us what he's found out. Welcome to the program, Dr. Blendon. Thank you very much for having me. So before we talk about what the people of Massachusetts think, tell us a little bit about the plan and how it will work. The proposal, as it's been enacted, is a requirement that everyone in the state has to have a health insurance policy by July 1, and then there are a series of penalties, quite small in 2007, and then the penalty if you don't have coverage in 2008 is half the cost of a of the lowest cost premium that you would have been expected to buy, which is added to the cost of your state income tax. So yeah, every citizen is required to uh, have a plan uh, for that. The plans for those people, if you are currently insured through your employer, through Medicare or Medicaid, this law has no impact on you at all. You have insurance. Everybody goes on. It doesn't change anything. So sometimes a description which sounds like everything in Massachusetts has changed, basically only about one in four people believe at all they'll be affected by the law. The rest of the people have had insurance and they'll continue. If I didn't have insurance or I bought the insurance myself, the state has set up a commission which makes available basically for working people a range of private plans. So this is not an all-government program and any for others, and they make available a range of private plans, and they have a minimal benefit package, and people can choose among those, and if they don't want to choose another plan themselves, but they can choose it through this intermediary called the connector. The plans have two features which are very, very important. One is for low and moderate income people, and there are very substantial subsidies for the plan, so you are not paying the full cost of an insurance plan. What is the, what is the cutoff for low and moderate income people? A single adult that would earn $30,000 a year, they would pay $105 a month. As opposed to many multiples of that, I guess, without a subsidy. Without the subsidy, or if you weren't buying, everybody is offered, even if you're an individual, access to a group insurance policy, which tends to have low administrative costs and doesn't screen people based on their health benefits. But for low and moderate income people, they get very substantial subsidies. And as a result of that, the premiums are lower, but also the benefits are the size of the deductibles are smaller, etc. If you're a single adult, 
over $42,000 a year, then you'd be paying $250 a month. But in order, since that plan has no subsidy, it has a large deductible. The minimal plan is a $5,000 deductible, which is larger than most plans in Massachusetts had previously. The low and moderate income deductible is $1,250. Now, somebody in any scheme like this is going to earn just enough to not get the subsidy. At the moment, because of the, and you raise this contentious issue, I'm right over the line, but I don't necessarily can afford it. The board, at least temporarily, has exempted 20% of the uninsured from the requirement to carry uh, the coverage because of the issue you mentioned. They are above the line, but they're close to the line. They were concerned that many people just in those income levels couldn't fully afford forward the policies. So they exempted about 20% of the people at the moment who do not, who are uninsured, who do not have to meet that requirement with the rest of the law moving forward for the 80%. And just for your reason, they're just over the line. So Will those 20% be brought into the system at some point? Well, in the Massachusetts, because it is a state with a lower number of uninsured, that 20% not being covered represents 2% of the population. So if the Massachusetts law two years from now were to work as it's scheduled to work, 98% of citizens would have health insurance. It is a problem that 20% obviously sometimes has to be covered along the line, but the state would be different than any other state in the United States with 98% being covered. Now, does the Massachusetts plan have anything in common with the plan that Governor Schwarzenegger has proposed for California? There are a number of differences. The most important is that Governor Schwarzenegger requires if people work full-time that their employer contribute the majority of the premium cost for the insurance they're to buy. In Massachusetts, that is not the case. Employers who do not provide insurance would have to pay a penalty of $20 a month per employee. So it's hardly paying the majority of the cost for their employees' insurance or paying into a fund if they choose not to do it. So the Massachusetts plan is much less reliant on requiring employers to contribute large sums. That's one of the reasons why the business community has been generally supportive in Massachusetts of this law, in that basically they contribute only a small amount, and the bulk of the funds come either from federal or state government or from individuals paying supplemental premiums or out-of-pocket costs. So it is a shared responsibility, but the biggest thing, if you looked at it, is Governor Schwarzenegger is really relying on pushing businesses to pay most of the premiums for the uninsured who work in, in the state. And then also, as he's trying to find in California some way to get additional revenues because he still does not. California has twice the percent of uninsured as Massachusetts. So solving this problem in California is much harder for a state government to do. And so one of the controversial things that many of your listeners will be aware of, the governor proposed some sort of a tax or a fee 
fee on physicians and hospitals as a way of raising some revenues for this. That also has gotten to be quite contentious within the state. At the moment, Massachusetts is able to move ahead with this, and that's why people are raising questions about the future, without any additional increase in taxes. They've been able, with a special federal grant, with the charitable money that to go in uncompensated care through various pools, to put together a fund package that does not require any new taxes. In California, with twice the number of uninsured, a Republican governor is really stuck, and he's been looking for ways to raise fees or something for that. So they're really the big differences for that. The nature of the plans are very, very similar. That is, the government is not picking one or two plans. The government is offering a wide range of private plans of a group benefit. They are extending you know, Medicaid to some more groups and to the Children's State Children's Health Plan. But basically, a large number of plans at different prices are offered to people who make their own choices. This is the Washington Health Report on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Dr. Robert Blendon of Harvard about the new Massachusetts health care plan. If everyone in Massachusetts, nearly everyone, is required to buy insurance, if I were an insurance company, I think a very good business plan would be to raise rates very high because everybody's got to buy my product anyway. What about that scenario? Well, what they're trying to do is if we only had one insurance company, you would be right. At the moment, they have five, and I'm sure California would have more. There are five groups that are selling insurance. So there is a competitiveness between the plans about what are offered. And one of the things the board that oversees this for the state is I think would like to get as much competition in here as possible so there are alternatives for people and you're not in a situation where there's one insurer that now can charge whatever it is. But the issue about the affordability of premiums for people who get no subsidies is something that is sort of the political issue that worries people about the future. The cost for people, are they going to be prohibitive given the benefits that they're, uh, they're getting? And people worry about that. But there is no single plan. So there are five different organizations or companies that are offering plans through this, and they're offering multiple plans. So the minimal plan, you don't have to take it all. You can get a much better plan, less deductibles and co-pays, but your premiums go up. And you're paying, if I'm not getting a subsidy, you'd be paying all the premium differences. Your employer isn't paying them. So there surely is an incentive for people who are purchasing with any help to try to stay with the lower cost plans. But So there are multiple insurers that are competing in the state. Now, these are exactly the kinds of issues that have been discussed in the press in Massachusetts in recent months since the plan was enacted. And it's been your job, among other things, to find out whether that's taken a toll on public opinion. What did you find out? The poll was with the Kaiser Family Foundation, the Harvard School of Public Health, and the Blue Cross Blue Shield Foundation of Massachusetts. We've had a partnership to track this over time. There'll be multiple examples. But the partnership partly because this has national significance. National significance and that the people have different issues about what people should be probed about and everything else. So we have a three-way partnership to continue this so people will learn from the experience, including 
people in the Commonwealth, but also nationally from it. And what we found was it, nearly a year into this, that though there have been problems just like you mentioned, basically public support for the law has increased over the year to the level of 67% of people supporting the law. And they were given a lot of reasons why they supported the law, and we were sort of taken back because the most simplest reason is what most people picked was it's the right thing to do. There were a lot of arguments, save money, prevention, better access. That isn't where people went. They just said they support this thing because it's the right thing to do. On the controversial issue, and that is the new, the unique part of the Massachusetts plan, is this auto insurance-like requirement, which says, by law, everybody has to have a policy or pay a fine, that 57% of people supported. So with all the issues that have emerged, there's still substantial support for this bill. Well, that's about all the time we have. We will indeed be watching Massachusetts. We've been talking about the new Massachusetts medical plan with Dr. Robert Blendon, professor of health policy and political analysis at Harvard. It's been very interesting, Dr. Blendon. Thanks for being with us. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. You've been listening to the Washington Health Report on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for listening.